Welcome to the Hunting Dog Public Podcast. This is your host, Mason Bush. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, if you're in the market for a new pair of boots, head on over to coonhuntersupply.com, check out the Razor Chaps. Razor has teamed up with Yoder Nylon to make some of the best chaps on the market. If you want durability with the chrome to go with it, look no further. Whether you need boots and chaps, pouches, or just apparel, Razor is your one-stop shop for it all. Head on over to coonhuntersupply.com or give them a call at 574-328-0856. Thanks. Hey guys, we've teamed up with Light Boots. They have the lightest 16 inch waterproof boot ever made. They have a one piece injection mold design which increases durability. Some people say they are like walking on a cloud. All I know is if it ain't light, it ain't right. Go check them out at Light Boots, L-I-T-E-B-O-O-T-S dot com. And they gave us a discount code for 10% off, T-H-D-P-10. Y'all go check them out. Today's word, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Welcome to Hunting Dog Public Podcast, this is your host Mason Bush. Today I'm in Bath Springs, Tennessee, uh, sitting down with Peanut Scott. How you doing, Peanut? I'm doing good, buddy. Oh, Peanut's another West Tennessee native, uh, rest rest of these outlaws up here <laughs> so uh go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself peanut well like you say mason i'm from bath springs tennessee i've been here uh my entire life I'm 61 year old uh, my wife's from here so uh, she's uh rhonda scott and we have two sons my oldest son's name is reggie my youngest is daniel of course they're grown and out on their own now uh, got our first grandbaby in July of last year, so he was just turned a year old. So we have been truly blessed, and uh, this part of the country uh, for coon hunters is, I don't know, it may, I sometimes call it the golden triangle mm-hmm. from Selmer, Scott Seal, Parsons, Bath Springs, this area has just been uh, some phenomenal dogs and dog men come out of this place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have you always grew up? Would you grow up here? I grew up uh, about five miles from right here. Uh, me and Rhonda bought this house when we got married uh, 37 years ago, and uh, but I've been in this same uh, community my entire life. Okay. Still hunting on the same farms that I hunted on when I was a kid. Okay. What's uh, what's the hunt like right right around here? It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't have a lot of I guess we got more coons now than we have in the past because we don't have as many hunters right here in this area I can remember a time every house you went by would have a truck with a dog box in the back and uh, all of us that grew up here has hunted the same places you know our entire life so if you go to a spot and nobody's there you're lucky and so you turn out but hour later somebody else may be there right but it's not that way now we don't have as many hunters um 
you know, and a lot of the hunters around here um, don't shoot as many coons out as they used to. And I'm one that's been pretty bad uh, to shoot coons out. I just, uh, I've had success with it as far as winning some in the hunts. And uh, it's hard to get away from something that you've done when you know it, it's worked. But still, I don't, I don't shoot as many coons out now as I used to. I used to shoot out every one I ever want a dog treat i killed it mm -hmm. but uh, i've gotten away from that a little bit and i don't hunt much in the summer anymore so that's helped the population around here <laughs> uh, so but there i think there's a lot of guys around this area that don't um shoot them out like they used to and back when hides were bringing a lot i mean there were pleasure hunters that wouldn't hunt any through the summer but when season opened they kill every coon they treat of course hides were bringing good money back in the late 70s 80s and uh, a lot of people made a living killing, killing a lot cows. of people did they yep. sure did uh, we sold uh, we've sold a bunch of hides you know in the past but I haven't skinned a coon and oh, it's probably been I don't even know 30 years probably right that's that's bad for me to say but I'm I've been hunting 10 plus years and I've never skinned one. Oh, really yeah, I've killed way too many but and uh love hunting but I've never like you said, it they don't mean the hides don't mean anything any, anymore. So yeah, what's what's the sense in doing it? Yeah. But, anyways, how old were you when you first started? Uh, I was nine uh, when I first started. Uh, hunted for a couple years without a dog. Uh, my dad wasn't a coon hunter. He was a fox hunter and a and rabbit hunter. He, we always had dogs, but just never coon dogs. And there was i don't know i would go to this we had three country stores within a half a mile of where i lived and i'd be at the when we were out of school i'd always go to the stores you know because i wanted to hear the stories uh hunting stories and things like that and there was a couple of guys out there that would, were always talking about they'd come there to eat lunch they were loggers and they would come there to eat lunch and i would always try to be there when they got there just hear their stories from the night before or whatever and uh, Mr. Lloyd Johnson, he lived about maybe a mile from us, and I relentlessly stayed on him uh, to come and take me hunting sometime. I wanted to go coon hunting. So it went on there for a little while, and uh, I can remember the night he came and got me. He, he came to the driveway and blowed the horn. Dad went to the door, and it was snowing so hard you couldn't hardly see the ground. And I'd never <laughs> been before. And uh, so Dad came in there and said, hey, Lloyd's out here. I don't know if you want to go hunting. And, I, man, I went to slinging clothes on. You know, I wanted to go. I didn't care what it was doing. And uh, he was hunting a little walker dog called Mac. And he treed two coons that night. And, and the rest is history. Mm. So I hunted with him for uh, about two years. You know, I'd help him. He'd teach me the, you know, what to do at a tree, pat them up and load up, how to make them load and stuff like that. And after about two years, I stayed on dad, you know, relentlessly to get me a dog. And he finally bought me a puppy, a little red tick female, the only other English that I've ever hunted other than the one I'm hunting now. Um, and Lloyd helped me train her and uh she turned out to be a pretty good dog i mean that was before tracking systems or we or we didn't have no tracking systems no shocking collars no nothing and she was notorious uh, for running deer and she'd jump a deer and run it all night and you know you just have to leave her and go back the next day and try to find her uh i remember my dad would get so mad because i, I couldn't drive i was only you know at that time 11 and when he would get home from work we would have to go try to find my dog and uh but anyway uh from there uh 
I progressed to hunting walker dogs after after her, and uh, you know it's been walker dogs ever since until now. Right. But uh, yeah, Mr. Lloyd, uh, he and he's still living. I see him quite a quite a bit at Scotts Hill and Decatur went around. Uh, but uh, he he really helped me. He was the one that I guess really got me started in the hunting. Molded you, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. We got in school, uh, Timmy Pratt. I started hunting some with Tim. Me and him hunted together quite a bit when we were in school. And uh, I, most of the time, once I started driving, I, I just, I've always hunted by myself. Right. You know, I just, I wanted to be uh, to where I could learn everything there was to learn about my dog. And uh, I've always thought that that was, of course, now we've got the Garmin's and everything. Uh, I don't feel like, like, guys know as much about their dogs now it's not to take anything away from them but i think a lot is dependent now on the garmin to where years ago it was you and your dog and, right you know if you were going to win you needed to know everything about that dog more handlers than there are dog, dog men yeah yep. yeah yep so uh you, you early teens there where did where do y'all go from there when did you start uh, hunting some hunts well uh I'll probably about when I was about 15 uh, started going to a few local ACHA hunts that's about all that was around here then that would have been in the early to mid 70s and uh, the first world hunt I went to was in 1979 I was just a kid um, went to Norwalk Ohio to the ACHA world hunt it was the year that uh, Mr. Ed Bates won it with spec and uh, I got up there and won, uh, won my cast one night. Uh, I think I hunted three nights and won my cast one night with a little English female I was, that my dad had bought me. She wasn't, she wasn't a big winner, uh, but I got the opportunity to go and I wanted to go and you know, went and hunted in it and uh, got to see some good dogs, you know, and some, meet some of the guys back then that were known to be, you know, your really good dog men and, your big winners. Can you remember any dogs you drew out with that, that we may know? Mm, no, I don't. I can remember drawing uh, on one of those nights, I remember drawing Timothy Ball. Okay. But I don't remember which dog he was hunting. Um, but this been, been in the 80s? 79. 79, okay. Yeah, 1979. I think I was 17 at the time and uh, left Bass Springs in October. That's when the World Hunt was in October, the ACH, ACHA World Hunt. I left with uh, just a short sleeve shirt and a pair of pants, and that's basically all I took, maybe a long sleeve shirt or so. We get to Norwalk, Ohio, and it's like 30. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and, and I've got no clothes. I remember I had to buy a pair of uh, those brown Carhartt coveralls. Uh, Dad had gave me some money to go on, and of course it was supposed to have been for helping pay for the motel room and eats, but I had to buy some coveralls because <laughs> I went up there and didn't take a coat, didn't take nothing. Just, you know, it was 80 degrees here. Right. And I get up there, man, it was cold and uh, wind was blowing hard. I mean, I remember it being a rough, you know, rough time to hunt mm -hmm. compared to what I was used to here. Right. But it was a, it was a, once in a lifetime thing for me to get to go. I'd never been anywhere, you know, other than Scottsdale and Decatable and, you know, places like that. So it was just, it was a thrill for me to be able to go. I remember being a teenager and getting to go to my first world hunt. I ended up getting the final six of the youth world that first year I went and it, wow. I'll, I'll never forget it. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I don't even think there was youth hunts around, uh, 
I don't I'm pretty they, sure there wasn't youth hunts around when I was growing up. I think the first youth world was, I guess, about 85. Creasy won it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when Mike won it. Mike only lives uh, three or four miles from here. Okay. Something like that. I got you. So, uh, where'd y'all go from there? Well, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, mostly, I just hunted ACHA hunts until PCA started. And then, of course, I got into the money hunt some. Broker enough, you know, couldn't afford to go much. Yeah. Uh, but I loved to be able to go when I could. Right. And uh, didn't, ha- didn't ever really have any good dogs back in that day. Uh, couldn't afford to buy one. And I- I've been one that's pretty much always had to raise and train uh, what I hunted. Mm-hmm. I've never been fortunate enough to have a lot of money to buy dogs. And, of course, today you'd almost have to be a millionaire to buy dogs now. Absolutely. Um, and, but but I tell you, Mason, it's, it's meant a lot more to me. Uh, and I've learned a lot more having to raise and train my own. Um, I think it's made me not a better handler, but it's definitely made me a better dog man uh, because uh, you you learn by mistakes mm-hmm. and trial and error. And believe me, I've had a bunch of them. Right. Uh, but it's helped me through the years. But I uh, just started hunting uh, PKC, PCA when I could. And um, I guess the first, what I would call real good dog that I ever had was a little female named Sue that I traded a dog for, traded a pretty pretty fair dog for, and uh, got her home. She was completely silent. Uh, the guy didn't tell me that. We just traded on our word. and uh, But anyway, coon outfit. And uh, I ended up selling her to Timmy Pratt. She won, the, she won the state hunt in, I think, 93, if I'm not mistaken. But she was a coon dog. If she would have opened, you know, if she could have got open, um, there's no telling what she could have won. And Timmy and them done well with her after I sold her to, to him. And then uh, I guess my next, what I would call a good enough dog to carry to, a, you know, some of the bigger hunts, uh, probably was Willie's mama, Annie. And uh, she was uh, she was pretty wild. Uh, she run pretty much anything that would lay a track, and uh, but she would I mean, if you put her in thick coon, she could absolutely put on a show, and uh, I've seen her do it several times, and she was good about having a coon. Uh, she was chop mouth all the way, which I didn't like. I don't like a chop mouth track dog. A lot of people do, and I, that's fine. I have no problem. Everybody got their own preferences, right. uh, but she was one, and it cost me quite a few hunts. Um, she was. If you didn't catch her locate, she sounded exactly on the tree like she did on the track. And a lot of times, if you were walking, you'd miss that locate. Well, by the time you stopped, sometimes it was done too late. Somebody was done beat you to the punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was, a, she was a coon dog. She just had a, a wild streak in her. Um, we ended up getting her, a friend of mine and Avery Bales, uh, James Montgomery don't live but oh, five or six miles over here me and him had coon hunted a lot together we went to school together and hunted a lot pleasure hunted a lot together and James was uh, looking for a female and the St. Jude hunt was coming up in Parsons and he met a guy over there I think his name was Jimmy Lambert from Louisiana I think and James bought this female one of the prettiest females I'd ever seen in my life and uh I think he gave 2500 for her, and this would have probably been in about 90, 
five, six, seven, somewhere in there. And uh, he brought her home and she was just, oh God, she was a deer runner. I mean, fox, <laughs> any, anything could run from her, she'd run it. Right. Uh, if she came across coon, she tripped. But James just wasn't into that. I mean, he 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 was a pleasure hunter. He wanted a dog just go tree coons. No nonsense. Yeah. So I think Avery called me and said, "Hey, I think James is wanting to sell Annie." And uh, he said, "Would you be interested in going in partners with me?" And I said, "Yeah, I might be." Yeah, I'd hunted with her, and I knew she was wild as a buck. And uh, Avery said, "Well, if, if if we buy her, you'll have to keep her in hunter." He I, I forget what he had, but he was he was pushing a dog and. About the time he had Ugg, I believe. Is that right? It could it could have been or Clyde. It, one of the two. Yeah. One, I, it may have been Clyde. It may have been Clyde, but one of those two. But anyway, so anyway, I, we bought her, and I brought her home and started hunting her and started trying to work on her, correcting her. Cause I, I'm not one of those that like a – I'm not a big fan of trash runners either. I mean, I know a lot of dogs that win that way. They run trash, they fall off on a coon, they tree it. Uh, and that's all well and good if that's what somebody likes. But I just that's not my type of dog. I like a dog that when you cut him loose, he's looking for a coon. So I went to work on Annie and trying to break her off some of that fast stuff. And we got to slow down a little bit, but never to the point uh, where I felt like she could be a big winner. I did uh, get her to the semifinals, uh, or the quarterfinals, excuse me, of the uh, PKC World Hunt. I think that was in, uh, it was in 2000 because we had bred her to moose and she was bred uh, when I hunted her and got into the quarterfinals at the PKC World Hunt. That's a funny story too. Didn't y'all, y'all were gonna breed her to Henry, right? Me and Mike had went to, I think it was an NKC hunt. Uh, I don't even know if NKC is still around anymore, but I think we went to an NKC hunt in Harrod, Ohio, if I'm not mistaken. And I had been keeping up with Henry uh, you know, Jeff was hunting Henry and I knew I'd look at his scorecards when I was at a hunt he was at and he was just a, a pure coon dog and uh, new moose was that way also. But Mike and them didn't hunt him in a lot of the hunts that I saw Henry at. So I got to see more scorecards on Henry and just knew that he was just, you hardly ever seen a minus, mm -hmm. uh, hardly ever seen him get in with a circle. Uh, so anyway, uh, Jeff was at this hunt, Jeff uh, Rickliffs. And I asked him, could we look at him? And he took us out, showed him to us and everything and got to talking about it. Well, we get home and uh, I didn't do any good up there. And I think Mike may have, I think Mike did maybe get in the semifinals or something. I can't remember, it's been so long ago. But uh, we get home and me and Avery get talking about breeding her. And uh, I mentioned Henry to him and he said, man, I've got a free breeding to moose. And I think some of those guys, when I, mentioned this in some comments I've made before took what I said the wrong way I wasn't dead set on Henry but I was dead set on a coon dog mm -hmm. I wanted a no-nonsense coon dog that would take hopefully some of that wildness that Annie had you know and put it to use put it to use right. it with the pups the right way right yeah so uh, anyway we ended up uh going with moose and thank god we did mm -hmm. thank god avery you know had the free breeding he talked me into it and uh well it wasn't really no talking me into it it was just that uh henry was the only other dog that i had on my mind but moose was just as good if probably not better it was just a point that I got to see uh, Henry a lot more than I got to see Moose. Right. And uh, anyway, it, it worked out great. Uh, uh, like I say, Annie had that litter of pups in her belly when I uh, got her in the semifinal and drew Jeff, 
<laughs> with Henry uh, in the quarterfinals and beat him. Uh, she looked phenomenal. I think she had 400 on two coons or three, 375 or 400 on two coons. Uh, and Henry had, I think, 350 or something like that. And uh, But anyway, uh, went on and got beat the next round. But, uh, you know, it, it, she was a blessing, to, you know, to come along to start with because without her, we wouldn't have had Willie. Right. Was Willie your pick of the litter? He was. Um, they were born out here in my shed. And the week that he was born, December the 12th, and the week that that litter was born, um, it was down to zero that whole week. And I had fixed a place in my shed. Uh, I'd, I'd uh, sectioned a corner of the shed off and put concrete blocks and just filled it full of hay and uh, put a heat lamp over it, and that's where I put Annie. Well, I go out and check on her, uh, I don't know, seven, eight o'clock, that one that night that they were born and everything was good she had 11 puppies and seemed like all of them were doing good so about 10 or 11 before i go to bed i go out to check on them again well when i go out there three of them have got far enough away from her that they had froze to death mm. so man i was, i freaked out I, I ran in the house and i told Rhonda, i said get some blankets quilts put them down on the living room floor i'm fixing to bring annie and these puppies in so at that time she had eight left so I brought them in, and uh, we raised them, eight of them, in, this, in the living room floor in there for three weeks till the weather sort of broke, and I felt comfortable putting them back outside. But uh, Willie was, uh, I mean, it, immediately, once they started moving around, I knew, I mean, it was a, sometimes, you know, a pup just stands out to you. And I've been very fortunate to be able to uh, pick a, a pup out of the litter that usually turned out to be pretty good. I've been very blessed in that area. And, you know, some, all of us, when we look at pups, we th see things differently, uh, but there's certain things that I look for. And uh, even in a three, four week old puppy. And he just stood out to me. That's so uh, hold up right there. What, what are some of the things that you do look for? Well, <laughs> it's probably gonna sound sort of stupid, but I look for pups that try to get away from the rest of them. And you say, well, you think that's going to create independence or that makes them, I, I don't know what it does, but that's just uh, one of the things that I look for. Willie would always, even at three weeks old, when they started moving around and could get up and get around, he'd be behind the couch or he would go down the hall, you know, and you'd find him under the bed, mm -hmm. always by himself. And, and of course, he, his looks too. Uh, I like to hunt a pretty dog. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people would say it, it don't make no difference. Ugly ones usually make the best dogs. Well, they may do it, but I just like, I like to, to hunt a good-looking dog. Yeah, I like to lead around. I like when dog. I lead a dog in to get a picture took, I like for him to look good. Mm -hmm. That takes some of the uh, eyes off of me because <laughs> I sure ain't nothing to look at. Catches everybody else's eyes. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, and Willie was a, he was an absolutely beautiful hound. Uh, uh, built, I mean, just like a thoroughbred racehorse. But there was just uh, just those little things like that that mainly just him getting away from the litter and really didn't want even to be around them. And that's the way he was when you took him to a hunt. He just he was always by himself, always wanted to be by himself. As far as the puppy goes, you started him. How how soon did you know that he was going to be special? Well, uh, I started. He was a big pup. Willie was a big pup, so I started him about five months old. I had a female here uh, that I'd bought off of Avery. 
uh, named Dolly, and she was a, a pure coon dog. Uh, wouldn't run nothing or bark at nothing but a coon. So I started hunting him with her. And the way I usually do it, Mason, uh, once I get a pup started enough that I know I can take him to the woods and treat coons by himself, I usually sell whatever I've started him with and just focus on I'm, you, I rarely ever have over two dogs here. Yeah. Rarely ever. Coon dogs. It's about uh, I'm a squirrel hunter too, so I'll have a mountain cur or something like that around. But uh, as far as coon dogs go, I rarely ever have more than two. And most times just one. I've only got one now. But uh, anyway, I started hunting him with her. And man, I'm telling you what, uh, he was the wildest thing you've ever seen in your life. He would run anything that would lay a track. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, here we go again. I, I thought he's going to be another Annie. Everything he's got, he's got it from his mama. Mm -hmm. And uh, exactly what I didn't want. Uh, but anyway, I hunted him about two months uh, before he ever looked up a tree. He was seven months old. I can take you and show you the tr first tree ever treed up. But uh, anyway, uh, a friend of my son's, uh, Reggie had come home from school and uh, he said, uh, Dad, a boy that I go to school with, they're wanting to go hunting with us tonight. And I said, well, have they got a dog? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, uh, just tell them to be here at a certain time and, and we'll go. So we did. So we, we go to a place that I hunted my all my life and we cut the dogs off. It was Dolly and Willie and they brought one dog that was just a young dog. I think he had started training a little bit, but not much. We turn them loose and they go down in this holler and they strike and they run over a hill and I hear Dolly go on a tree. Well, another dog starts treeing with her. Now, I've never heard Willie tree before. I know his mouth, but I've never heard him tree. And I'm thinking, well, this probably is Mike's dog, uh, Mike Grice. Uh, I don't even think he hunt. Well, I know he don't hunt anymore. But uh, so we go in there and Willie's just, he's treeing a little bit and just milling around, piffing around, this, that, and the other. But anyway, we find the coon shoot it out. This was... Uh, uh, season one open or anything like that, but I had a puppy that I was trying to get started and I wanted to get a few coons out on him if I could. Like all of us would. Yeah, yeah. Well, we get him off that tree. After we shoot the coon out, I mess with him for a while, dragging him around, hanging in the bush and all this kind of stuff that we do. But anyway, we turn them, we go and we turn them loose again. And they go off this holler and they strike. And Willie goes one way and Dolly goes the other way. And Willie don't run but about 100, maybe 200 yards. And I'm telling you, Mason, it sounded like the world came to an end when he went on a tree. He just exploded on a tree, and uh, I don't know if he ever missed a bark or not. I go down there to him, and he's up a tree, oak tree as big as this table right here. And it takes me probably 20 minutes to find the coon. But I finally find him, and I think I shot a box of shells trying to <laughs> – all I could see was eyes. Mm -hmm. And he was way up there. But anyway, uh, I finally got him knocked out. And after that night, he was still wild. He'd still run deer, coyotes, a fox, any, any fast game that was right down his alley. So it took me a long time to get him broke. Uh, he probably really never came into his own until he was, I'm going to say, 16, 18 months old is when he really flipped. When I got him broke enough off that other stuff and I'd shot enough coons out to him that that's all he wanted to do then was tree coons. Mm -hmm. So he was probably about 16 or 18 months old uh, when he really uh, started turning heads, I guess you would say. I got you. How long was it before that before you, you started pushing him in some hunts? Uh, 
the first hunt I took him to was in uh, Louisville, Mississippi, the Winter Classic, when the PKC Winter Classic was in Louisville. And I took him down there and hunted him three nights, and he won his cast uh, two nights. Didn't get in the Final Fours, but he won his cast uh, two nights. And uh, he looked good. He looked good all three casts. I just got the one cast I just got beat. And uh, that's when they had the pup hunts. So we were hunting against, you know, pups his age. Pups his age. Yep. And uh, anyway, I just started going from there to, I just select certain hunts that I wanted to go to. Um, around here in that day, it was hard to try to win with a puppy. Mm -hmm. uh, there were so many good dogs around. I mean, I, I, there's there was just a bunch of good dogs and it was hard for a puppy you know, to win against a four or five year old dog around here then. Yeah. I don't care how good the pup was, it was hard to win with them. So I would pick pup derbies to go to, to hunt him in. So I knew he would be hunting against dogs his own age. And he just kept progressing and progressing and progressing. And by the time he was, I'm gonna say 18, 19 months old, 20 months old, I felt confident that he could compete with any dogs his age. Mm -hmm. And uh, hunted him in his first super stakes in Aurora. And he got second in the Super Stakes. Uh, hunted against John T. John Treadwell with, um, oh, what was that little female's name out of Rat Attack? Can't think of her name right now. And um, Cindy. she won it. She won, she won the Super Stakes. Was it Cindy? No, I don't think it was Cindy. No, it wasn't Cindy. Um, I'll think of it probably here in a minute. But David Blake was in the cast hunting a dog called Clear, Clear Lake Rex. And uh, David got third, and I got second, and the, the female John was hunting, got, she won it. Mm. And that's before they split it up to the fall and spring. It was all at, at Aurora. Right. So uh, At that time, it was just a one- and two-year-olds, too. Right. It wasn't a three-year-old. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. okay. And uh, that was his first one. That was his first one to go to. But, uh, you know, after that, I, I think, I, I really think I heard him um, after that, because I, I went to put him in a, a bunch of hunts, you know, and he was winning a lot of them, but the winter, well, I'm going to say the, the fall before I ended up going to, uh, the truck hunts, I burned him out. He was burnt completely out. I mean, he was doing things he'd never done in his life. He just, he just didn't want to be out there, you know? So I just made a decision to take him out of the hunts and just solely me and him, mm -hmm. just get back to just me and him. Cause that's the way he had always hunted, just me and him, unless I was at a hunt. And uh, by the time the truck hunt rolled around, um, I mean, he was back to the hound that, you know, I knew could win anything that you put him in. Mm -hmm. And I guess I forgot to mention Mike come, in between that time, Mike came on board. Uh, we had went to a hunt in um, Hardin, Kentucky. I think it was called the Western Kentucky Jamboree. And uh, Mike had went in his vehicle and I'd went in mine. And uh, at that time I was working for Mike and uh, we had went up there and man, you talking about a terrible weekend weather-wise. It was horrible. Uh, rain, sleet and rain and just cold weather, wind blowing. And um, Willie looked up and won his cast every night. And um, that got me a pup ticket that month. And on the way back from that hunt, Mike called me and uh, asked me about selling And about a, I don't know, a couple weeks before that, I guess it was about a couple weeks before that, 
uh, Wyatt Wright had called me. I, I didn't know Wyatt at the time. I heard of him, but I didn't know him. And he called me, and um, we talked there for a little while, and he said, well, he said, uh, I called to buy Willie. And I, I had no intentions of selling Willie. And uh, I said, yeah. I said, he's not for sale. And uh, Wyatt said, well, anything's for sale. And, of course, I, I think the world of Wyatt, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, he kept on, you know, what I take for him, what I take for him. And I said, I don't want to sell him, Wyatt. And he said, um, he said I'll tell you what, he said, I'll give you 20000 for him. $20,000 was a lot of money to me, a lot of money. And uh, I said, I'll tell you what, let me call you back in about 15 minutes. So I hung, hung the phone up, and I told Rhonda, uh, my wife, uh, what he'd offered me and, you know, and, and I, at that time I had told some of my buddies, I, you know, if I'm ever going to win anything big, it's going to be with him. No doubt in my mind, uh, because I'd seen, I'd hunted enough of the bigger hunts to seen what kind of dog it took to win. Mm -hmm. And, and Willie was that type of dog. So, uh, I told, uh, Rhonda told me, she said, you do what you want to. She said, we need the money. But she said, peanut, I wouldn't sell it. So I called White back and I told him, I said, White, man, I appreciate the offer, but I, I said, I'm going to pass. I said, I feel like, uh, you know, if I'm ever going to win anything big, it'll be with Willie. And he said, if you change your mind, give me a call. Well, anyway, a couple of weeks later when the hunt came up, you know, Mike asked me about him. He knew I'd been offered 20000 for him. And uh, I told him, uh, I said, let me think about it. And uh, I said, I'll give you an answer Monday at work. And I did. I told Mike what I'd take for him, or for half of him. And uh, he bought him and ended up, uh, I think that was in, a, I think, around March or April. And then the next, the next, the following year, uh, well, I'd got a pup ticket that, that month. And then in September, we decided to run for a handler ticket. And I got a handler ticket in September. So he was qualified for both truck hunts coming up in 2004. Mm -hmm. And uh, just so happened, uh, luck went our way and you know we won them both. But uh, he, man, he was uh, what I'd give for him now. Right. Do you remember anything about them casts? Like that first truck you won, you, you remember who, who you may have drew out with some of them casts or how the cast went in the finals? Uh, I can definitely, the first hunt was the handler hunt and I definitely remember the second one. I can almost tell you everything that happened, uh, the cast, I, I drew my good buddy, John Strickland. He was hunting bad habit. And at the time, habit was winning everywhere he went. He was one of the nicest dogs in the country, if not the nicest. And I drew him the second round um, I won my early round. I don't remember what I, I knew Willie, all three casts. I remember Willie, uh, put up big scores. Well, I, I think it was like 11, 1100 something plus that he scored in, in the three casts combined. And, uh, but the, I don't really remember what I did the first cast, but the second cast I drew John and with habit and I drew, uh, Josh Vaughn, uh, hunting a dog called, um, oh heck. I can't think of that dog's name. But anyway, uh, man, it was cold. It was about 15 degrees. We was hunting by the river in between the river and the levee. Wind coming off that river, uh, probably 20 miles an hour. Moonlit, I mean, it was bright. You didn't even need a light. Mm -hmm. uh, Willie tree, two coons that we saw, uh, had 400 plus and 200 on the den tree. And Habit had, I think, 350 circle. And Josh withdrew after I don't know an hour or so, 
but that and something had told me, Mason, that whole that whole time we was uh, after I seen that I drew John, if I could get by that cast, I thought I could win it all. And uh, because I felt like Habit was the best dog possibly that I had to beat. Mm -hmm. And if I could beat him, I thought I could beat the rest of them. Of course, you never know. You right. never know. You got to get the breaks. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, as fate would have it, um, I drew um, Buddy Deletri, matter, and he was hunting a dog named Ann that him and Paul Sheffield had uh, been promoting through the year at the hunts. I forget what she, she won an ungodly amount of open money, and John had just bought her, uh, John Strickland, so, and Buddy was hunting her. Uh, and I drew, uh, let's see, Buddy and uh, Ron Tomlinson from, I think, from Oklahoma hunting a dog that uh, Doan and Kreitz owned called Rank, Stylish Rank, old dog. I think he was at nine at the time. And uh, let's see, the other guy was um, Terry Coulter from Indiana hunting a dog called Roxy. And uh, that, was a, that was a tough cast. I mean, uh, we... We scored on four or five coons, but I think they were all, they were split up, you know. And uh, Roxy had took the lead on, on me. I had treated coon, or actually Willie backed a dog right out, out of the truck on a coon. I had struck for 100 and treed for 75. And we find the coon, that gives me 175 plus. But uh, Roxy trees a coon, I don't know, hour, hour and a half into the hunt and she takes the lead over me, so I've got to treat another coon uh, to, win, to win this truck. And uh, we pull her off her coon, and dogs are just uh, barking around here and there. None of them are together. And uh, all of a sudden, Willie loads up on a tree. And um, when he goes on it right, I tree him. And as the time starts going down, I think me and Mike Goodpaster head toward Willie and um, the other dogs, the other judge or guy, judge stays with uh, Terry and because I think we've got another dog tree, maybe Ann's treat again or something. But anyway, me and Mike go to start to Willie. We start walking and after about 150, 200 yards, silence, nothing. And I'm, this dog has never left a tree, ever. He don't gnaw, he don't tree in the ground, nothing. And, but it was just silence. And I forget, maybe 45, 50 seconds went by, and I thought, well, this is it. You know, I've lost. And But he goes back to treeing. And we he never hushes again till we get to him. We get to him, I leash him up. But as we're going into the tree, it's a big, big den. I'm talking about it's got a hole in the bottom. I could almost crawl in, huge. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, I, you know, I've got to have a coon here. I'm, I'm going to get beat. Because, I mean, it's dwindling down. We don't have but 10... 12 minutes left in the hunt. And uh, I leash him and uh, Mike, I think, starts shining up in the den, the hole in the bottom to see. And I just happened to throw my light up in the tree and the coon is sitting on the first limb. Mm. And uh, man, you talk about excited. Because <laughs> when I walked into the tree, my heart just sunk because I thought, you know, the, the weather, the way it was and everything, I just thought, you know, there's no way this coon's gonna be on the outside. But he was. he was. He was sitting on the first limb. And uh, that secured the win for me. Um, I don't think that the other dog, Ann had got treed again, but I, I think it was a den tree or something. And I don't think she could have won anyway. 
Uh, I think Roxy would have been the only one that could have beat me if I remember correctly. But uh, anyway, that's the way it ended up. So, you know, every cast he won, he won it by tree and coons. That's the way he'd always won. Uh, I rarely ever won a cast with circles or minus. I mean, he just wasn't that type of dog. He had a knack, uh, Mason, and I, he's the only dog I've ever had like that. It, it like he had a mind to know what he had to do to win a cast. Mm -hmm. If you treat four coons, he'd treat five. If you treat three, he'd treat four. I mean, it was just, he just, it was like he knew what he had to do to win. Just took a scorecard and a stopwatch. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it was unbelievable right. to watch him do it. Um, you know, and he taught me, I mean, I, I just thought I was a dog man. Uh, he taught me way more, you know, than I ever taught him. And by far, he taught me more than any other, you know, I thought I'd had some good dogs, you know, in the past. But when you have one the caliber of Willie, uh, it sort of separates you from anything else. Right. You know, no matter what kind of dog you've had in the past, that dog takes you to a different level. Mm -hmm. And he was on a different level. Always going to be your measuring stick. He's always going to be your measuring stick. Yep. And, you know, I never could find a pup. out, And I raised some good pups out of him. Uh, so Larry Weaver, one that Barry hunted some, uh, called Mr. Spock. Mm -hmm. That was a super nice young dog. Uh, I sold him when he was about 15 months old. But I could always find something wrong with him. Right. You know, because I was looking for Willie again. And, you know, Mason, you're lucky, and I know you've heard this uh, your whole life, if you can have one once-in-a-lifetime dog, you're blessed beyond measure. And uh, But I was looking for that second one and just never could find it, you know, in, in Willie's Pups. Mm -hmm. Not to say I didn't want, have some good ones. I did. Uh, but just nothing that measured up to what I was looking for. Right. It's hard for a, for a dog to, to reproduce what, what they are. Yeah. A lot of people think uh, he'll let those good dogs, but it's, it's hard to, to throw and especially for you to to be lucky enough to get the one yeah the chances are slim yeah very um, slim he uh you know willie produced a truck winner uh mark hall won a truck with a female maggie maggie, mm -hmm. maggie out of willie uh several uh out of willie have won the wipeout hunt that they used to have in selmer she uh she also got the finals of the world hunt pkc she world hunt yeah um you know uh, there were some good pups out of Willie, but I'll be the first to tell you, Willie never produced anything like his daddy. Mm -hmm. You know, Moose was just an unbelievable producer uh, and reproducer. I mean, it, it's a shame that, uh, Fergie, if you're listening, old buddy, you need to be putting that semen in some good females uh, <laughs> to get some moose puppies on the ground. He's going to change uh, his phone number now. <laughs> <laughs> he is a... Uh, I've had several people call me and want to know if I could talk Mike into, uh, you know, turning loose of some of it. And I said, man, there, I, I, I've called Mike a few times about it and, you know, he just didn't want to do it. So I don't even call anymore, but I've had several people call wanting to, some semen off of him. Moose was, a he was an unbelievable hound and, um, you know, he's, he was just a reproducer like in my mind. Now I'm not saying he was the best reproducer ever. But uh, I do know that he produced the best dog that I ever owned. Mm -hmm. And uh, I hunted with a bunch out of him that, in my mind, were some of the best. Right. You know, and, and a lot of them were right here, you know, mm -hmm. right here in this area. Hunted against Barry many times was Zeb again. And Zeb again was just a, I mean, he was a coon dog. When he treed, you could cock the hammer. I mean, he, he had a coon. Right. Um, 
they were just a lot of lot of good dogs. And and what helped those dogs was the men that was behind them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're some of the best dog men in West Tennessee at anywhere in the world. Yep. Uh, not to take anything away from any other guys, because there's some good dog men all over. But man, I'm gonna tell you, at one time in West Tennessee. You go to a twenty-five dollar hunt. You're hunting against platinum champions. Yep, world champions, platinum yeah, champions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, yep. it ain't, it ain't, it wasn't like it is now. I mean, you've got hunts now from thirty-five dollar hunts to sixty-five hundred dollar entry fees, and uh, you know those caliber dogs now. You don't see them at the thirty-five dollar hunts anymore. Right. You know they're just not. I'm not. I'm not going to hunt in them anymore yep. in the open hunts. Uh, it's just it's senseless to. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you've got a pup, you're trying to win a hundred on or something like that. It's just. I just don't see any profit or any uh, anything any good to come yeah. out of it. You're taking too many chances, your dog getting run over. Anything. It's not like you said. It's not worth it. Uh no, it's not to me. Right. It's not to me. Right. So from Willie, uh, this this would have been early early to mid two thousand. Where where'd you go from there? Oh, uh, yeah, Willie. Uh, when I won those trucks uh, was in two thousand and four. Um. I, I went to trying to, I, I bought a few females to try to, you know, breed to try to get a, another Willie. And uh, I fooled with pups out of him for, I'm going to say, four or five years, something like that. And then I got a, I got a job offer, uh, a pretty good paying job. And uh, I knew if I took the job, it was going to be hard for me to hunt. But I felt it was what was best for my family at that time. So I went, uh, I, I took the job and uh, I tried to hunt there for about a year. And the last pup I sold, I think was Mr. Spock to Larry. Cause I knew that pup had a chance to, you know, win pretty big. And is he the one that won the world or was that Speck? Uh, Speck. Okay. Speck. Yeah. Spock was uh, out of Willie and uh, Chad Blackwell. If you know Chad, mm-hmm. passed away here not too long ago out of his Shea female. Okay. Uh, I I bought him from Chad. Uh, he brought Shay up and bred her to Willie, and he had a litter of pups, and I I bought Spock from him, or well, a puppy, and then I named him Mr. Spock, and I seen the pup uh, had potential to to win, and I knew me working the job I was working. I wasn't going to be able to give him the just that he needed, right. you know, to, to win whatever he could. And I'm thankful that Larry got him for, you know, I wish somebody around here would have got him like Barry or Fergie or somebody that would have, you know, uh, got him, I guess you would say, to that next level. Not saying that Larry and them didn't, but the reason I'm glad that Larry got him is because he put his son on him. Mm-hmm. And most of what Spock won was with a 15, 16-year-old boy behind him, Nathan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and Nathan just, he loved that dog. And uh, so I'm glad Larry ended up with him. But I think if he would have ended up somewhere, and Larry, I'm not taking anything from you, buddy. I love you. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think if he would have got somewhere with a really good handler on him, uh, I don't know that they're, you know, he, he could have won a lot more, I think. Right. He, I think he ended up with like nineteen thousand. I don't think he ever made platinum. He, he may have, uh, but I'm thinking he won like nineteen thousand, something like that. Then toward the end of his end of his life, he got back down here. He didn't Colton hunt him a little bit. Barry's boy didn't Colton hunt him. Just yeah, Barry hunted him. Some. Did he? And, and Barry told me he he really liked him. Yeah. Uh, 
Barry said he liked him better than anything he had saw. I think Barry, Barry told me that he liked him better than anything he saw out of Willie. Mm. Uh, he was nice. I mean, he was a he was a he was a more low end strike dog, uh, but man, when he treated, he had a coon. Right. I mean, and that to me, that's number one. Oh my! If they ain't got a coon, I'm not on them. No. You know, and you know what I mean. Every dog makes slick trees, but then you got slick treers. Mm-hmm. Uh, make a habit of it. That make a habit of. Yeah. I can't hunt those. No. You know, and I, I just refuse to refuse to hunt them. But uh, anyway. Uh, then after I sold Spock to Larry, uh, I went about probably three or four years uh, without a dog and uh, because of my job. And uh, then I got hurt at work and took me off. Uh, I was off work for about four years, wasn't able to do anything. Uh, like I was telling you earlier, I spent four years from the recliner uh, to the bed to the bathroom. That's basically all I could do. Um, had uh, two major back surgeries. And uh, after my second back surgery, it got me back to where I could move again. You know, when I slowly began to do exercises and different things and got built back up enough that I thought I could hunt. So uh, so I bought me a, a pup that I started with out of Willie, a uh, semen pup. And uh, that pup just, he didn't make it. Um, he just didn't make it. One tree, I couldn't get him to tree. A while ago, you talked about that truck hunt. Uh, that was the first one, correct? Yeah, that was the handler. Okay, so what about the pup hunt? You said you remember a little bit more about it. Yeah, um, I remember the final cast. Well, I guess it was the 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 first cast that we had. I drew. I think it was Dicky Deaton and um, Elmer Jenkins, and had a dog fight on the first tree. And Dicky and Elmer got scratched. It was a three dog cast. And, uh, or that may have been the late round. Thank you, I think it was the late round uh, on Friday night. And they got scratched on the first tree. Uh, so, they, you know, that's, easy enough. <laughs> that's sort of a hard lick, you know, for those guys to have to swallow. Uh, you know, and it was a bad deal. Um, they had ran a coon. I, I think it was a, I'm pretty sure it was a coon, uh, in the bottom of a hole, in a den tree. And they had a hole at the bottom of the tree and both of the dogs were trying to get into the hole. I'm assuming the coon was just, you know, pretty close. But when we walked into the tree where they're at, I mean, they were just locked up. And judge didn't have a choice but to, to scratch them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hate to, I'm not going to say you hate to take a win that way, but you hate to see guys that have worked so hard to get to that point right. lose it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I hated it for the guys, but, I mean, I'm glad it put me in the, in the finals. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, I've learned down the road, you know, next time it may happen to you right you know so there's going to be some cast that you shouldn't win that you win and vice versa there's going to be some that you should win that you didn't win right so That's you where just got breaks fall into place yeah absolutely absolutely and that was a a bad break for them it was a good break for me but it was a bad break for them but anyway that put me in the finals and um i hunted against rick safflin uh, from Missouri, him and Dennis Thornhill was partners in a dog called Tommy. You probably have heard of Tommy. He was out of Moose also. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see, I was hunting against um, Charlie Parsley had a dog uh, that Todd Campbell was hunting called Bull. And then I think it was Ryan Houghton. I think he was from Oklahoma hunting a little female called Paige, I think. I think that's right. And uh, anyway, uh, we didn't have a real good hunt. 
we treat we treat a few coons. I got a really good break. Uh, Tommy took a terrible break. Uh, anyway, we we made a few trees, some circles, some uh, I think two or three slicks, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, Willie had treated coon by himself, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe Paige had treated coon by herself, but then she got a slick. But anyway. Tommy caught a bad break. He was struck for a hundred and he had got deep. He got away from everything and got deep. And at one point, everything gets quiet enough that Rick can tree him. He hears him good enough to tree him. And I hear Willie in there with Tommy, but Willie doesn't sound right. Tommy sounds right. And he trees him. Well, we start that way and I'm looking at my watch and Man, it's getting down close to five minutes and Willie still, he's not sounding right. Something just don't sound right. And Rick Stretch was on the cast. Uh, he was the radio man, I think it was. And uh, almost five minutes is running down and Rick looks at me like, you know, he doesn't say anything, but he looks at me and I know what he's thinking. Why are you not treeing? You know, at least for 25. And, but I just knew my dog and I knew something wasn't right. But anyway, we head on in there. Well, they get, uh, I don't, I never treat. So they send the judge on with um, Rick to go to Tommy. At this time, Willie's hushed and Willie's gone. He's not even there. So we're, we're up here listening to the other three dogs while Tommy and or, or Rick and I can't think of who the judge was. They go on to uh, maybe Tony Harper. I'm not for sure. Can't remember. But anyway, all of a sudden everything gets quiet, and I'm thinking, well, they've got to him. You know, they've leashed, they're leashing him up or something like that. Well, two or three minutes go by, and no, still don't hear him. I'm thinking, well, he may not bark when he's tied back or something. Then all of a sudden we see lights coming back toward us, and I'm thinking something ain't right. And they come on up through there, and uh, what had happened was Willie and Tommy had ran a coon in a brush pile, and they had got it out and mm. killed it on the ground. But they'd left mm. before they got in there too. Yeah. So uh, uh, Rick took a terrible break, you know, on that. But uh, it ended up Willie would have still won the cast the way it turned out because even if they had got in there, all Tommy would have gotten would have been strike points. Right. Uh, so it, the way it turned out, because I remember seeing Rick at a hunt after that, and he said, man, you're the luckiest son I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. He said, you got a break. And I said, Rick, I said, you do know, even if y'all have got two, Tommy, you'd have only got strike points. And he stood there for a minute just like he had never thought of that. And uh, then all of a sudden it hit him, and he said, dang. He said, I couldn't have won, could I? I said, no, uh, not on that anyway. Right. So anyway. Uh, when they go back to working a trail, Tommy blows up treed, and we're right at the end of the hunt. Matter of fact, I think the hunt's over time we get to the tree. And uh, Willie is there with him again. And I just wait and take 25 on the tree because I know then, no matter what, if it's slick, coon, tree, uh, den, whatever, I'm going to win if he stays and they're together. So we go in there, and they were together, and it was slick. Hmm. So I think I ended up with 125 plus, and everybody else ended up with minus. Um, but that's the way I won the second truck. And, um, you know, I wanted to get that in there because uh, 
those breaks can go both ways. You know, just like uh, it did with Dickie and Elmer, the same thing happened to Tommy and, and Rick. Mm -hmm. But uh, ended up, like I say, it, it didn't cost him the truck, but uh, it did the way it happened if the coon hadn't went in the brush pile. But then again, if they'd been up a tree, Willie had been treeing right, I'd have treated him and I still one. So, you know, um, but you got to have the brakes. I mean, I, when you get to that level of hunt, everybody's hunting a good dog. Yep. They, there's not no slouches there. Right. You know, so, but um, I don't know. Willie was just always, he was a, he was a pup in a man, in a big dog's body, I guess you would say, or an old dog's body. You know, he never, after he got two years old and on, he never acted like a pup anymore, ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just strictly about tree and coons, and he wanted to be by himself to do it. Right. Where'd he end up at? Did he die here? Or? No. Uh, Mike eventually bought my, the, my half. Mm -hmm. um, and let's see, it would probably have been about 07. Willie was about seven years old. And uh, Mike bought my half, and he died at Mike McNeil's. Okay. All right. So that kind of brings us to, to now. So tell us about this dog you're hunting now. Well, I tell you, it's just uh, it's an absolute blessing from God, uh, and, and it can't be anything else the way this worked out for me to have him. Uh, he's an English dog called Sniper. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have once a once-in-a-lifetime dog before, so I know what they are. And God has blessed me with another one and he's out here in my pen now. Some people may not think that, but uh, he's the best English dog that I have hunted with. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that's saying a lot, and, I, and I'm not really bragging on him, I'm just stating the facts about him. But I wasn't even supposed to, this dog wasn't even supposed to be, an English dog never even entered my mind. I had a wipeout pup picked out, uh, out of a litter that's not far from here. And Rhonda and I went up and looked at the litter of pups, and. Uh, I picked one of them out and gave gave the guy the deposit, a hundred dollar deposit. They were three weeks old, and I just told him to call me uh, whenever they got six weeks old, and I'd come back and get him. Well, he calls me about six weeks, and Rhonda and I are in Kentucky. It's our anniversary week, and uh, he calls me and he talks for about five minutes and never mentions the pup. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at Rhonda and I'm thinking something something wrong. You know, I wasn't saying nothing out loud, but I knew something was wrong, and. Uh, I said, well, I guess you're telling me to come get my puppy, ain't you? And he said, well, he said, we got a little problem. <laughs> and I said, okay, what's the problem? And uh, I'm thinking he's died, my puppy's died. And he said, well, he said, one of the guys, the, the sire owner, there were two sire owners, uh, partners in him, and one of the sire owners had decided he wanted the puppy that I had picked. And, uh, you know, we had, when I went up there to, to look at the pups, you know, I told them to get the pups out that I couldn't pick from. And so they did. And we got the one I was going to get, got him out. We took pictures and everything, so nothing got mixed up or anything. So, but anyway, uh, man, it just, that, and I love these guys. Listen, I love these guys. I've drawn one of them several times. They grew him at the Super Stakes this year. And they're good guys. I have nothing against none of them. Uh, they're friends of mine. But, uh, and I, I think this worked out so that I could get Sniper. I really, I, I believe that God had a hand in this. He had to have a hand in this because I'd already picked the pup out. I'd already paid the deposit. All it was left to do was go get him and train him. Mm -hmm. Well, when that happened, I just, I thought about it and I thought about it and I said, uh, 
I said, just let me call you back. Let me think about this for a little bit, and I'll call you back. So I called him back. I just told Rhonda, I said, I just don't feel right uh, about this. Um, I said, that's the pup I wanted, and, you know, I just feel like that's the one. If I was going to get one, I would, that's the one I would get. Yeah, I'm the same way. If I didn't get him, I don't want any of them. Yeah, that's the one. And, and, and the guy that had the female even told me, he said, you can have the one that I picked. You can have my pick if you want. He wanted me to have a pup, and I wanted a pup. But uh, I just didn't, you know that's not the way i operate right. and uh like i say i love these guys have nothing against none of them uh but i just felt like uh i just didn't need to go that route mm-hmm. so i told him i said man just send my hundred dollars back and i'll try to find me a pup somewhere else and i got to i couldn't find a wipeout pup nowhere i'd wanted a, i wanted a wipeout pup and i wanted a spring pup for the following year so i knew my buddy in jackson larry jordan had this female and had this litter of pups off vapor he had bred the vapor her name is Late Night Show Out. Red tick female, good female, really good female. And uh, I knew he had these pups, and I knew they were about three weeks younger than the wipeout pup that I was supposed to got. Mm. But I thought about it there for a day or two, and I finally got up the nerve to call Larry. And uh, I said, Larry, I said, you wouldn't happen to have any of those pups left, would you? Are, are they all spoken for or something like that? He said, you want an English pup? <laughs> and I said, well, I said, I don't want one. <laughs> but I said, I can't find a wipeout pup uh, for next spring. So I said, I'll tell you what, I, I'd like to come up and look at them. So they're they're like three weeks old. He said, come anytime. And he, he made me a deal. He said, if you'll take one of them, I'll do this and this. And uh, so I go up and look at these pups. And man, Sniper comes out of this pen at three weeks old now. And it's, I know this sounds crazy, talking about pups that are three weeks old, but he looked like a man amongst boys. That's the way he looked. He was almost twice as big as everything else. And just, I mean, just the way he carried himself. And uh, I told Larry, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do, if I can have that one. And I think he had nine. I said, if I can have that one, I said, I'll buy one from you. He said, well, he said, the guy that got the, that paid for the, stud fee. It wasn't Tony Smith. It was another guy that wanted a pup out of Larry's female in vapor, mm-hmm. told Larry that he would pay the the uh, stud fee and the expenses for first pick. And he said, well, he said, that guy's wanting a red pick anyway. So, and Sniper's a tricolor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, that'll work. So I said, well, I'll come back and get him. And you just call me when you want me to come back and get him. So I go back and get him. And Mason, this puppy has been it's just been an unbelievable ride for me so far. He's he's three year old. He turned three in June. But at three, about three and a half months old, I had a little mountain cur female here that I squirrel hunt, and she was the same age uh, as Sniper. And I've got a place up here above the house that farm I've been hunting for years and years and years that I take puppies up there in the daytime. There's blowdowns up there. There's old network fences. There's creeks. There's branches. Anything that you could think about an obstacle in the woods for a puppy to get around, it's up there. And uh, so I told my wife, I said, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Sniper and this uh, mountain cur female up there and just let them get used to being in the woods. So I load them up in the back of my side by side, no dog box or nothing. I just put them in the back of the side by side and took them up there. I let the tailgate down on this side by side. Now these puppies are three and a half months old. He jumps off of this side by side and he heads down this woods road that I'm parked on. And within two minutes, 
this pup is treed, and I'm talking about every breath. And I'm thinking, my God, what have I got? <laughs> I go down there to him, and he's toenailed on a tree. I'm talking about slobbering just everywhere. And I get to shaking bushes and stuff like that, and the squirrel runs out the top of the tree. So I'm more or less shell-shocked, so I just leash him and load him back to the ranger and come back to the house. I'm telling my wife what's happened. <laughs> you know, don't even walk him around in the woods let him get around the obstacles. So I do that the next day. He does the same thing. I parked in the same spot. He took off down the same road and treed up a tree within probably 50 yards of the first one he treed up. Go to him, he's toenailed. And I find the squirrel in this tree. Well, the next day I go up there, I thought, well, I'm going to see what happens if I pull him off this tree and try to walk him and see if he can tree another one. He does. He trees a second squirrel. Well, after he does that, I was, man, I'm on cloud nine, so I bring him back home. And uh, I told my wife, I said, I'm fixing to take him tonight. There were some cut cornfields down by our church. And uh, I knew they had freshly cut them. And I, I told her, I said, I'm going to take him down there and walk him around these cut cornfields, see if I can walk him over a coon. So I take this pup down there. I get him out of the truck, out of the dog box, and uh, I lead him out there about 20 foot. I cut him loose down a cornfield. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have to walk him. He takes off down this corn row like he's done this all his life. He gets about 250 yards, then he strikes in this cornfield. And he runs to the edge of the field, just maybe 30, 40 yards from where he struck to the edge of the field and just blows up on a tree. And I'm thinking, this dude's run up on a possum out there in that cornfield, you know, and he's treed the heck out of him. Mm -hmm. But I go to the truck, get my, which I ain't far from the truck, I get my gun, and I walk down there to him. And when I see the tree, I thought, nah, this ain't no possum. He was up a big, you know, big tree. And I walk in there and pet him up a little bit and start looking at the tree and find the coon. And uh, I'm thinking, good Lord, and this pup is treed. I've still got the video of him treed. He's treed every breath. And uh, I shoot this coon out and he hits the ground and son, he runs over there and of course I tried to kill it dead and I did. I mean, it kicked a little bit, but it had no fight in him. And son, he runs over and grabs it and, and just like he's done it a thousand times. And uh, man, I go to messaging uh, Larry Jordan and Billy Bell and I, I don't remember who all I messaged, but I'm Murray, Murray Reagan and I'm thinking, you know, they're not, nobody's gonna believe this. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, that puppy uh, from that night forward, he liked five days, I think it was five days being four months old. First time he'd ever been taken to the woods at night, he trees a coon by himself. I've never had to walk him, ever. When you cut him loose, he goes hunting. Uh, when he was about four and a half months old, he, uh, I turned loose in a cornfield one night, had about 10 or 12 deer standing in it, and I wanted to, I purposely did it. And he goes down there to where the deer are, he strikes one of them, and here he goes. Well, I bump him a little bit with the collar, and he quits. Immediately, he quits. Comes back to me. He don't know what's going on. He's quit the deer. Well, a couple weeks later, he does the same thing, and I bump him a little harder this time. This time, he comes back to me and just like, I won't do it no more. <laughs> and uh, the last deer he's ever barked at. You can turn him loose with fields full of them. He will never bark at them. Uh, done the same thing on possums. He treated two possums in his life. And that was when he, that was before he was five months old. The first time I didn't even shock him. I go in there to him, I see the possum going in. 
and I just leash him up and just sort of, you know, whack him a little bit on the back with a leash, say that's not what we're after, and pulled him off. A couple weeks later, he does it again, and I go in there, and I just I come down pretty hard with him across the back with my leash. The last possum he's ever treated. He's solid broke, won't bark at nothing but a coon that I know of. Um, but he just, he continued to progress. Uh, he got to where he'd only tree about a coon a night. You know, now I'm talking about when he's five, six months old, he's treeing a coon a night. Uh, Billy Bell's probably got every video that I ever seen him because every time he tree a coon, I'd send him a video. He treed 92 single coons by the time he was a year old, his first year. Wow. From the time he was four months old or five days before turning four months old, he treed 92 singles. And in Bass Springs, Tennessee, that is Impressive. saying something. Right. That's saying something. So I knew I had something. He didn't want to be with a dog, uh, which I rarely ever even went with anybody. Uh, but he just he didn't want to be with a dog. He was always by himself. When he treed, he stayed. It didn't matter how long it took you to get to him. Um, you know, so he just uh, he just kept progressing and progressing and progressing, and I'm thinking, man, that's, you know, I may have a dog that can compete with Walker dogs, because mm-hmm. I've always said if you've got an off-colored dog, they got to act like a Walker. You're not going to do it. You know, you can't beat them. Right. Um, you just don't see many off-colored dogs, that, and I know I'm going to catch a lot of slack from English guys on this, <laughs> but uh, there ain't a lot of English dogs that can compete with Walker dogs, night in and night out. Right. Uh, on the larger level. So anyway, I took him to the baby stakes. He won second in the baby stakes. Um, treated two coons by himself in the finals, but I just got beat. Jason Baker's little old, uh, dog called Tango won it and uh, done a good job, and he deserved to win it. I was proud for him and Scott Dixon, uh, but I was proud of Sniper too. You know, Sniper looked good. Uh, I just got beat. Uh, but anyway, his one-year-old super stakes, I go to it, and I feel like I've got him as ready as I can get him. I go up there, double up the first night, uh, looks phenomenal, both both cast, and uh, go to the uh, Friday night to the quarterfinals. Draw Weed and a uh, couple other guys that I I don't think I knew either one of them. Maybe I heard of them, but I didn't know them. Weed ended up winning the cast, but we didn't tree a coon. Uh, I don't know, I think a slick tree, den tree. I know Sniper made a den tree that a squirrel was in, uh, but it got circled because it was a den. Um, and he may have treated the squirrel. I don't know, but it was a den tree and it got circled. But anyway, we won the cast with most circles. And uh, anyway, uh, I won, I can't remember after that. I started putting him in just some select hunts, uh, some of the bigger hunts, you know. I, you judge me at... Um, a pro sport Wheeler. hunt. Yeah, Wheeler. Yeah, Wheeler, Illinois. Illinois is a $4,000 entry fee hunt. But anyway, before that, after uh, Murray got, me and Murray got to hunt, Murray Reagan, my partner now on him, got to hunting some, and um, Murray seen him do some phenomenal work. Treat a bunch of coons, and uh, he approached me about buying him, and, you know, we made an agreement, and he ended up buying half of him. But, uh, Sniper has been just, he's been an absolute blessing to me. Probably the best dog I'll ever have from now on out. Uh, Been asked several times uh, by different people, a lot of English guys. Want to know why I went to an English dog after hunting wipeout dogs, especially after I'd won two trucks with a walker dog. And uh, of course I've done told you the story how that happened, 
but uh, most of them that talk to me want to know how he compares with Willie. And, you know, and I give all of them the same answer. Up into 18 months old, there was no comparison. There was absolutely no comparison. Sniper would have beat Willie 10 out of 10 casts. And Willie's the best dog ever owned. But up into 18 months old, he couldn't have beat this pup. And uh, after 18 months old, I would give Willie the advantage. And the reason I would give Willie the advantage is because Willie was a better strike dog. Uh, rarely ever now do I get a first strike or second strike. A lot of it's because of babbling, mm -hmm. and I really don't want to go there because it, it drives me nuts <laughs> what some of these guys are cutting loose. Right. Start barking from the time you cut them loose and don't quit till they get it, pull them off the tree. Mm -hmm. And people will get on Facebook and on the websites, and they'll say, well, if you just minus them for babbling like you're supposed to, it all... You can you can minus a dog all you want to for babbling, but if you cut that son of a gun loose and he's barking when you unsnap him and he don't hush you pull him off a tree, I don't care how many panels you take it to, you're not going to get him minus. Nope. You you can't. Nope. The way the rule is written, you can't because you can't prove that he didn't take a track out there. Right. You know he didn't, but I heard a lawyer say one time on a TV show, it ain't what you know, it's what you can prove. Exactly. So you can't prove that he didn't leave there on a something mm -hmm. you know it doesn't say they have to leave on a coon right they but they just got to leave out with a track yep. so but anyway that's why i don't get many uh first strikes he's uh he's an absolute honest dog you can turn him loose with 20 that leave barking every breath and he will never open his mouth uh he's just a pure coon dog so uh, but i would give willie the advantage over him for that very reason but everything else they're equal mm -hmm. as far as their coon train ability knowing where to go to find a coon uh, and things like that um you know I, I there's no difference in them to me yeah also uh, we've we've bred a couple females to sniper uh i had him collected probably about a year ago i just wanted it just for my personal use in case something were to happen to him you know he'd get run over or something like that I wanted to be sure that I had a possibility to get a pup out of him. So I had him collected and at the time wasn't thinking about starting to breed him this early. Uh, but we've had some guys approach us about wanting to breed to him and we bred a couple females. Uh, matter of fact, I'm picking up one of the puppies Monday, uh, Brantley Berry from Kentucky, mm -hmm. a little female called Abby. Uh, had bred to him and she's, I mean, she's a super nice English female. Them boys are hard hunters and They've done a phenomenal job with their dogs. Uh, they don't go to a lot of the bigger hunts. They hunt mostly local around Kentucky, but they've got coon dogs. Mm -hmm. And uh, they they uh, asked about breeding a sniper and a bred for a pup. And uh, I'm picking him up Monday. I'm excited about that. And then we've got a local boy lives at uh, Clarksburg that uh, bred a female and she's a coon trier. Uh, she's not a titled female because this boy don't competition hunt but she's a coon trier. And uh, I'm gonna buy one of those pups from, from him. He paid a stud fee and everything, but I wanted to buy a pup from him also to have two and just, you know, in case one of them didn't make it, yep. you know, I could pick the one I wanted to try to push. If either one of them, neither one of them may turn out. You mm -hmm. know, we don't know. Uh, but at least uh, we've got a couple females bred, him being a young age, that gives us an idea of maybe, you know, a year from now, we might have an idea of what kind of pups he's going to throw if he can produce something like he himself. Um, you know, like I don't expect to have another one like him. 
Uh, he's just he's a one of a kind. I mean, he really is a one of a kind, uh, especially for an English dog. It just blows my mind um, how he operates so much like a Walker dog. Uh, he's just in disguise, yep. I guess you would say. He's a big old dog, too. He's a big dog. Yeah, he's a big dog. He weighs about, uh, when he's in good hunting shape, he weighs about 85, 90 pounds. He's probably about the size of Willie. Was he? Uh, yeah, Willie was a big dog too. Matter of fact, when I, I walked into the Super Stakes uh, to get his picture took, I think it was last year, uh, Barry was standing there, and I, I, I think that's the first time Barry had saw him. And he said, boy, you got another uh, blue Willie or something like that. <laughs> and I said, yeah, he's a hoss. And he is, man. He's a But he's put together, man. That dude is, I mean, it's all I can do to to hold, if he wants to pull you, I mean, I can't stop him from pulling me if he wants me to pull me. Mm -hmm. Don't want me to, you know, hold him. He's just that stout. Right. But, uh, yeah, he's put together right. Mm -hmm. He's got a good mouth. Um, good tree dog. He's a good ever-breath tree dog. Yep. Yeah, he's an ever-breath tree dog. That's something that really stood up to me that night, I, I judged. We had a, we didn't have that good of a hunt that night. Well, I didn't have that good of a hunt. I got a slick right out of the well, truck. I think, they, he, all, I think he, they all made. Yeah, uh, the dog Lane hunted, you know. I think they I think they run a coon. And, and that was one of the nights that I got a first strike that I didn't need a first strike because right. I got a slick. Yeah. But uh, they run a coon in a brush pile, I think's what happened. Mm -hmm. And, uh, again, sniper like Willie, he will not tree in the ground. He won't, he won't tree in the ground. Uh, and he 99.9% .9 of the time he's not going to be with a dog but we struck that one if you remember pretty much right out of the truck within right. a couple minutes from the time we turned loose so I think they just both struck it ran it in that brush pile and Lane's dog stayed for a little while and you know he left and got minus uh, and then Willie falls treed and I'm thinking and weed's not even struck yet and I'm thinking oh this is going to be easier than I thought <laughs> you know I'm thinking I've got 200 because I struck for 100 and I knew you had a coon get over there and there's some guns up a darn little group of saplings that ain't nothing up. Right. So I take a 200 pump and that pretty much you know, ended it for me. That'll when you're hunting against that caliber of a dog and you take 200 pump right out of the truck, I should have went to the truck yeah. is what I should have done. But uh, I didn't. I kept hunting and, you know, it just, it wasn't my night. It wasn't meant to be. But uh, I'm just thankful that I had a dog that I think enough of that we paid a $4,000 entry fee to get to go hunting, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I ain't got no money. Murray's got a bunch of money, but he ain't gonna spend it. <laughs> hey, Murray, I'm messing with you, brother. I love you, but uh, you know, four thousand dollars is a lot of money to put up. And if I'm not mistaken, Sniper was the only off-colored dog there. Yep. Uh, you know, and uh, that that says a lot to me. You know, to somebody just have the confidence in a dog to go and put that kind of money up. Especially off color dog, and you you take him and train him yourself. That that means a lot more. Yeah, it would to me. Yeah, oh man, I tell you, well, I'm gonna tell you, there wasn't near as much training with this one as it was Willie. Mm -hmm. Now Willie was a handful until he got about <laughs> a year and a half old because he just he got a lot of wildness from Annie. Uh, but once I got it out of him, uh, and it's sort of funny, I took the wildness out of him without taking the hunt out of him. I mean, he still hunted wide open. You know, but he just wasn't looking for all that junk to run. He was smart enough to be broke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was solid broke. Hmm. That dog never treed. I know this is going to sound crazy and nobody's going to believe me, but it's the absolute 100% truth. He never treed a possum until he was five-year-old. Really? Uh, we went to White River, Arkansas to hunt on the refuge over there. Out of all places. Out of all places. <laughs> went over there. 
uh, James Montgomery was with me. We go into Willie. I mean, we're going to shoot a coon out. We go into him. He's got a possum tree. This, he's never treated a possum in his life, ever. And uh, he's got a possum tree. And James said, I thought you said he wouldn't tree a possum. I said, man, this is the first possum he's ever treated in his life. And James said, yeah, right. Heard right. that one before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. He ain't never done that before. Yeah. But anyway, he treated two possums that night. And I told James, I said, this dude's going to the vet. As soon as, he's done one, two trucks, 70 thousand dollars. He don't treat possums. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, I'm, he's going to the vet as soon as we get back home. And sure enough, I took him to the vet and he had an upper respiratory infection. And I asked the uh, vet, I said, do you think that could mess his smelling up to where he couldn't di 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 differentiate between a possum and a coon? He said, it's very possible. And I told him, I said, well, he treated two possums this weekend. I said, he's never treated one in his life. And he said, well, I would say pretty much, you know, that was it. And he never treated another one mm -hmm. that I know of. Now, I don't know if he did when Mike had him, but the time I had him, he never treated another one. Right. But uh, Sniper was... There was really no training to him. I mean, he was just an absolute, he was born a coon dog. I mean, he was absolutely born a coon dog. It's hard to say that about a, a puppy, but I, I truly believe he came into this world a coon dog. It's so easy to train. It really, there. I mean, two times on a deer, two times on a possum, that's been it. I mean, there's, there's been no other training. Right. Never had to make him go hunting. Uh, thrashed him a few times for coming into a dog when he was a pup. Uh, Murray, he didn't like it too much. This is before Murray even owned it, because Murray, he don't get real rough with one. I get pretty rough with one, especially when they're doing stuff that I don't, I know ain't mm -hmm. gonna fly with me. And uh, he come in to back JoJo up there one night, and I got the tree before he did, and it wasn't it wasn't a pretty sight. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but it didn't take me just a few times, and then. He just absolutely didn't want to be with nothing. Now, like uh, like that night when you judge me, if, if he strikes a coon with a dog right out of the truck, now he's not going to just quit and go on somewhere else. Yeah. He'll tree with them or whatever, you know, or they can tree with him or whatever. And uh, it doesn't bother him. But if they're gone over two or three minutes without being struck, he's, he's not going to be with another dog unless that dog's following him. Right. I got one that's 14 months old out of rodeo, and he's been I, – I didn't get my hands on him near as early as you got yours, but he's been the same way, just natural. I've not had to lay my hands on him, just cut him loose. He Man, that's treat. so good, ain't it? It makes the job so much easier. Yeah. You know, I I've, uh, I know guys, and, and you know the same guys I know, and I love them to death, man, and they're some of the best dog men I know, and I respect them tremendously. Uh but a lot of guys, they don't care what a dog leaves barking on. As yeah. long as you pull him off a coon, it don't matter what he leaves on. Right. But I'm just not that way. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I like hunting a coon dog. Yeah. Uh, now, I've had some of them. You know, like, I didn't like them, but uh, I've had some of those. But, uh, you know, it seems like it's getting more, not really that they're just junky. They're just barkers. Yeah. You know, people call them barkers. I call them bab babblers. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not going to hunt one. If I never win another hunt, you will never see me hunting a babbler. Yeah. If I turn a dog loose and he starts barking off of the chain and you, he don't quit like getting him off the tree, he's going to wish the next time I turn him loose he don't do it. <laughs> I, I, I can't handle it. Yeah. You know, but a lot of that's what wins. Yep. You know, that's what wins. That first strike is so important. Uh, a lot of people on Facebook don't think it is. Buddy, I'm telling you, when you get to that level, 
first strike means a lot. Oh yeah, it, it makes it makes your job a whole much easier. Oh, absolutely. Strike. Yeah, hey, you can play the game. Yeah, you know, you in the lead as soon as you cut loose with a hundred strike. Absolutely, and, and you know these dogs today, Mason. <laughs> These guys don't pay a $4,000 entry fee just because they got an extra $4,000. No. They think they're going to win or they wouldn't be there. Right. You know, and all of these dogs that are cut loose today in these bigger money hunts, all of them is capable of winning. Mm -hmm. Or they wouldn't be there. Right. You know, I mean, I know a lot of millionaires on these dogs, but, hey, they didn't get to be millionaires by being stupid and throwing money away. Right. You know, so they think that dog can win or they wouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. You know, and you've got your best handlers at these bigger hunts. I mean, man, they're some, they're some really good handlers. I don't consider myself a good handler. I, I'm way, way down the list. Me too. <laughs> hey, I've won two trucks, but I'll tell you, even the year that I won Handler of the Year, I was not the best handler. Yep. I mean, there was a lot of people right around here that were way better handlers than I am. Yep. You know, I was just blessed with a dog that took so much pressure off of me. And what helped me so much was I really believe hunting by myself. I spent more time with Willie than I did my wife. She'll tell you that. I mean, it was me and him five or six nights a week, every night. I mean, I would come in, take a shower and go to work. That's the God's truth. Never lay down. And, uh, I can't do that. I know hey, two or three hours a night now and I'm done. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what helped me so much then was I knew what Willie was going to do every time I cut him loose. I knew when I dreamed he was going to be treated when I got there. He was going to have a coon when I got there. I just knew him. Every bark he made, I knew him. If he was in cutover, I knew he was in cutover. If he was in water, I knew he was in water. Uh, you know, because I spent so much time with him. I didn't have a Garmin stand out there and look at it all the time. I listened to my dog, mm -hmm. and I knew what he do was doing at all times. And, uh, you know, he just made it so much easier on me. Right. Uh, you know, like I say, even though I was handler of the year, I don't consider myself the best handler. I didn't. I didn't then, yep. and I still don't today. Dog like yeah, you just got to strike him and tree him. That's it. Yep. That just call him what he does. Yep. Just call him what he does. Yeah, do the rest. And and that's basically all I did. Now there was times when I knew, you know, you at times no matter what kind of dog you got, how good he is or how good a handler you are, you have to play the game. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're ahead two hundred points. And you got a dog sitting in there tree, you ain't gonna tree him on the first locate. Right. You know, you you gotta play the game, you know, and um gotta know the rules and gotta run these scenarios through your head. Absolutely. You know, I am glad you said that. Uh, back then Barry was hunting Zeb again and Clay was hunting hard rock, uh Billy was hunting peaches, uh Mike and then were hunting moose and snug, him and Tommy McQueen, and uh of course, I forget what Avery was hunting. I was hunting Willie. But what I was getting at, what you just said, we used to sit around, a lot of times uh, our wives would go with us, and they would. we'd all stay at the same motel. Barry and Clay, myself, I remember uh, one time specifically in Paducah. We were hunting in Illinois, but we were all staying in Paducah to give the wife and the wives and the kids something to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, with that, we would sit around and talk about scenarios and what we would do if this come up on the cast. And man, you talking about helping me so much, you know, to hear guys like Clay and Barry, which I consider two of the best that's ever done this. Uh, I mean, not just them. I mean, there's a bunch of good handlers. Billy, you know, I think he's one of the best. And uh, there's a lot of guys out there that nowadays, 
I mean, the list goes on and on and on at the good handlers out there now. Mm -hmm. uh, but we would sit around and talk about scenarios, how we would handle them if they came up. And, you know, for me to hear their ideas or how they would do, you know, and a lot of times we'd come back in off a cast and I would ask somebody, you know, this happened to me tonight, it ain't never happened before, what would you do? You know, you've got some situations that come up out there that could go a, one or two different ways, you know. Mm -hmm. Just a lot of times it's a judgment call or it's an opinion, you know, and I wanted other people's opinions how they would handle it. But uh, it helped me a lot uh, by running scenarios that you mentioned uh, by guys that I consider some of the best to ever do this. Yeah, Barry's helped me tremendously. Just listen, listen to these old stories and what he would do in these situations and keeping them in the back of my mind has helped me. Yeah. I've not caught the brakes lately. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been on the, on the bottom end on the, on the brake side, but, um, well, you know, Mason, as well as I do, and I've, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm 61 and I've been doing it since I was nine. Uh, so about 52 years I've been doing, it. I've seen a lot of things. Um, but I'm going to tell you without the brakes, without the brakes, just like then you're hunting against platinum champions at an open hunt, mm -hmm. you know, it's just who gets the break. Right. You know, what dog went the right way and found the first coon. Because, you know, a lot of times these hour hunts, if you got 200 on coon, it's over. Right. Especially around this area. Mm -hmm. You know, because chances are another dog in that cat, you may treat three or four coons, but all of them may be split. Right. You know, you if you've got 200, man, you've got the leg up because any one of those three dogs are going to have to treat two. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be very few times in Bass Springs, Tennessee, or Scotts Hill that you're going to tree three coons yep. in an hour hunt. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that that 200, it's just, a, it's so, so important. Uh, you know, and when you're hunting against the best dogs in the world and the best handlers in the world, it comes down to breaks yep. sometimes. You know, now sometimes a dog just dominates. You know, but the next time, one of them other dogs may dominate. So it's just, a lot of times, it's just who gets the breaks. Mm -hmm. I agree. I do agree. Well, we can start winding her, winding her down. We're about an hour and a half in. So, wow. Yeah. Man, I've talked too much. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I have I, absolutely talked. I didn't mean to talk this much. No, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this with Peanuts. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you, you inviting me into your home and, and letting us do this. And we've been talking about it for a few weeks now. We're just... It's, it's hard to get these scheduled and yeah. everybody to get lined up. So Well, it's been an honor for me, Mason. I'm, I'm really glad, you know, when you first asked me, I was a little bit leery uh, because I feel like there's so many people that can do a lot better job than me, uh, you know, and have better stories than I've got. And I've got a bunch of stories, <laughs> uh, but it we it take me to daylight, yeah. you know, to tell you all about them. But, uh, you know, I just appreciate you even thinking about me to you know to want to talk about it yeah i love talking about it uh, i'm not the smartest man in the room ever uh but i love to talk about it and i, I can say one thing it, it, i do know a good dog whether it's mine or whether it's yours i know a good dog and uh, and i know what it takes to win and uh, but like i say it's just sometimes it just takes the breaks no matter how good a dog you got absolutely well is there anything else you'd like to say no, just other than just thank you for, you know, selecting me to do it. You yes, know, I was, I was bad nervous. I'm, this is first one of these I've ever done. Mm -hmm. um, I know back uh, when I did win the trucks, I had done a couple of interviews. 
Uh, I think one was with Vicki Lamb and maybe one was with Amy Thomas. Or, I'm not sure who they were, but it was over the phone. Uh, so I, this is the first one of these I'd ever done, and I was nervous. I didn't want to say something I shouldn't say. and uh, But I wanted to mention some people that have been important people in my life. Uh, without my wife and sons, uh, you know, it. I tell you what, a coon hunter's family has a hard road to hope. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, because the wife, a lot of times, she's left home by herself to take care of the family while you're not out doing what you want to do. And, you know, and I just, I, I just, I feel so blessed that I married a woman that allowed me to do that. Mm-hmm. She's always la- allowed me to chase my dream. And, um, you know, my dream was always, once I got into coon hunting and the hunts and stuff, my dream was always to. I wanted to have a once-in-a-lifetime dog. I wanted to win a big hunt, and I wanted to make the cover of a magazine. And luckily for me, I got to do them all three in the same year with wow. the same dog. Wow. So what a blessing. But I couldn't have done it without my wife staying home and taking care of kids. Man, I, I couldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a good woman. It takes a good woman, and I got I got one of the best. Yep. I got one. We've been together for going on 38 years, and yeah, I wouldn't take nothing for her. Mm-hmm. I love her. That's good. Well, anybody else you'd like to thank? Mm, I don't think uh, I've left out anybody. Uh, I mean, there's so many, man, I could mention. Uh, I like to talk about dog men uh, because that's, to me, that's what our sport's all about, learning as much about being a dog man as you can. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys go out there and turn a dog loose that win hunts. But I'm telling you, they're not dog men. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I can name a bunch of them that's playing on I, top level. Right oh, 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 me too, man. Me too. I can too. So that's why I admire so much people, you know, that, I mean, just right around me, uh, Bill Bell, Mike Neal Creasy, Mike Creasy, Roy Brasher, Timmy Pratt, Avery Bell, Billy, uh, Tommy McQueen, Mike Ferguson, Barry Clay, I mean, the list goes on and on. And I know I've left somebody out, and if I have, I apologize, you know. Uh, Murray Reagan, uh, Larry Jordan, there's just ton. My buddy James Montgomery, uh, he, he he don't hunt anymore, but he's a dog man. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, used to have have and keep good dogs. And Mr. Lloyd Johnson, man, I tell you, I can tell you good and about Mr. Lloyd. And then I'm gonna shut up. When I when Dad first bought me this pup, I didn't know. All I knew was what Mr. Lloyd had told me those two years. But until you get your own dog. You're not as focused, I guess you would say. Well, she was a mouthy some gun. I'm talking about she barked from the time you cut her loose. I went hunt with him the first night, and we cut him loose down a creek, and son, here she went, you know, just like babbler does. Lloyd looked at me, and he said, son, I'll tell you one thing. You're going to hunt with me. We're fixing to break her. <laughs> and I said, okay. Well, the next time we cut her loose, Mr. Lloyd, we turned down another creek, and he went down the creek about 50 yards, and he said, when I tell you cut her loose, you cut her loose. And I cut her loose, and man, when she got to him, I mean, she was barking every breath. When she got to him, I thought he was killing her. Son, I was squalling. I was crying. I was like <laughs> 12, 11, 12 years old. He was beating my dog to death. And uh, But, you know, I learned from old, older guys like him how to train a dog, how to stop them from doing stuff they're not supposed to be doing. You know, these guys that's hunting these barkers, as they call them, I call them babblers. If that's their cup of tea, hey, I've got no problem with it. 
but I, I'm not going to hunt them. Yeah. I, everybody that I hunted with back in those days, they wouldn't put up with stuff like that. Yeah. You know, if you were going to hunt with them, you're going to have a dog that, you know, at least done halfway right. Mm-hmm. You're not going to let it get away with all this stuff. I don't love just a, a barker, but I also don't feel like there's a good babbling rule that we could go to that would that would fix it the right way without causing problems elsewhere. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think you can stop the babbling. I, I, don't. I, I don't think you can. I don't think there's a rule that you can put in place. Now I'm, not, I'm going to catch slack over this because there's going to be guys that say if you just minus them. I don't care how much you minus them. Right. It don't matter how much you minus them. What these guys don't understand, if you cut a dog loose barking and he don't quit barking until you pull him off the tree, you can't minus him. Nothing I mean, do. you can minus him, but it's not going to do any good. You're right. just wasting your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I think is going to help, and people ain't going to uh, like this and they're going to disagree with this, you got to do something to make your strike points more equal. Yep. Uh, in my opinion, people say, well, if you put it all, everybody strikes for 25, you know, you're going to have ties this, ties that. There's got to be a better way than we're doing it now, Mason. Yeah. There's just so many babblers out there now that the honest dog really, I mean, if you've got an honest one, you better have an overpowering one. Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, you're going to be sucking high tit a lot if, if you don't have a barker yourself. Right. And um, like I, said, I already said, I'm not going to hunt one. But I, I don't hold it against people that do. You know, that's what wins. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what's winning for them a lot. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, that's just not my cup of tea. But I think you've got to do something to get the strike points uh, more more even. Yeah. Whether it be everybody strikes for 25 or I've seen some proposals on, on the, the babbling rule and, and the strike points that I like. Uh, now, I don't think, I don't know if they'll ever be implemented, but uh, I think it, makes the plan feel more level yeah it does but i, I think like like we talked about i think you're gonna run into other other issues you elsewhere. are so you are most of the time when you try to fix one rule you're gonna you're gonna do something to another one right so i don't, I don't know how to fix it i don't know if there, there there's no good way to fix it Mm-mm. no so, there's not there's really not i think before they they make it worse than it already is I, i'd say leave it alone yeah me, I, I me, no me personally yeah i have no problem with that so. you know but anyways, um, I got about an hour and a half back toward the house, so we're gonna wind her down. Uh, Peanut, I truly appreciate it, and um, maybe it'll cool off here for too long. We we can get to hunt. Yeah, it's, I know. I know you asked me about you know when we got together hunting, but hey, Sniper's been hunted. I think I've hunted him now four times in the last two months. Mm. Yeah, he he weighs over 100 pounds right now, so he would die. Yeah, you know he would die, and I probably would too. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, as soon as it cools up, man, I'd love to. Okay. Well, there's any, there's not anything else you'd like to say. I'm going to get off here. All right. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. it. Yes, sir. Thank you.